0: You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. That's a.k.a. Murph. And that's AP. And this is the podcast where
1: we talk about cycling just for the fun of it. With tales from all over the nation, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. AP, we've got Kyle Munson doing an interview on the show this week, and it is going to be pretty cool. I know that you know Philip Jones really well, right?
0: That's right. I have been lucky enough to get to know Phil as we've been preparing for Ragby this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil and I are working on that project to go through all the old John Karras and Don Call articles from way back in the day. Obviously, a great source for Parrot Talk articles and just really fun to read through. Oh, wow. So, we've been having a great time working together on that.
1: Awesome. So, Kyle and Philip have been friends for a long time. So, it was really cool for those two to catch up. And I think everyone's going to enjoy this interview because. Because Philip talks about his job as a public safety reporter at the Des Moines Register, but he also talks about his experiences with ragbri, which brings me to a topic I think we should cover before we listen to Kyle and Philip. Okay. Interesting Ragbri memories. Oh, man. Do you want me, I mean, you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. This is a very interesting story, and I don't know if I've ever shared it on the podcast, but it was maybe my second or third ragbri, so probably we're talking late 90s, okay? Okay. And at that point in my cycling career, I rode a mountain bike still, (laughs) and I had put slick tires on it, meaning tires that didn't have very much tread, so you could actually, you know, bike a little bit better. So we go, I'm almost sure that I've... Put this on the podcast, but anyway, you get to listen to it again. So Still beans, yes. Yeah, so we go into a bar or a beer garden, and we're there for several hours. And we come back out, and I feel like something's different about my bike. So I get on the bike, and I can't pedal it. So I'm thinking, oh, oh wait a minute, did I you know leave the lock on it? And it's now it's wound up in my. I don't understand what's wrong with this. <laughs> and so everyone's kind of making fun of me, like, come on, Murph, get on your bike and let's go. So then I look down and I realize that. Miraculously, my slick tires are now big, knobby mountain bike tower- tires. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, there's no way that that just happened on its own. So this is crazy, but somebody stole my tires and put their tires on my bike. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And so the brakes, the brake levers, because it was the, still the rim brakes, wouldn't turn because the tires were too big. So it was crazy.
0: Oh so, first of all, were your tires that awesome that somebody really needed those? Well, I mean, I think
1: it was just because they were slick. So, somebody had oh. those big mountain bike tires and they were like, wait a minute, <laughs> look at that bike. Which, I mean, it's pretty crazy that they had the nerve to, you know, with a sea of people everywhere to actually do that.
0: Seriously. Um, and how kind of them to replace them.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know. But even more kindness, you know, it's Iowa, right? So, we found a guy in a pickup truck who, uh, put my bike in it, took me and a couple of my friends and we went to the next town to the bike shop and I had to buy new, um, new tires and tubes, but it all worked out. And I think, you know, it's very rare for theft to even happen on Ragbry. So it's, sure. and it's from a long time ago, but oh my God, it was a crazy story. So. Yeah.
0: I know. I used to be worried about, I mean, I have a, I bought my first, my second ragbri bike, with all my money I made working at the toy store at the mall, and I was so proud of that bike. I still ride it today, and the people give me crap for it because it's old now. But I valued it so much that I would sleep with it in my tent every Aww. night. <laughs> and I would I still have a scar on my leg from kicking it, kicking the the gears. <laughs> so uh I know I know the feeling, and obviously I've never had anything stolen on Ragbri, and there was never any necessarily any grounds for that fear. I'm just like, yeah. not my bike. It looks too cool, somebody might take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would never happen. But <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Oh, uh, I still think it looks cool. But yeah, anyway, yeah. If you ever see a picture of me on the pre ride, that's it's the same bike. So
1: that is um, funny.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, so any, many memories. I know. Any other memory you can think of off the top of your head?
0: Well, I don't know. You know, it's funny because the other memory that came to mind while you were telling your story was that on my when I did my first century, my aunt was kind enough to ride with me. My aunt, and my mom. Rode Ragbri way back on Ragbri 3, way back in the day. So wow. she's a, a way more experienced rider than me at that point. I was a young teenager. Um, but so we go out on the ride and like we made it through the loop. And we were obviously, I was starving because I'm a teenager and riding Ragbri. And so we stopped at Tender Tom's Turkey. We got our turkey leg. We fueled up. I get back on my bike and I like spin out and I'm like, what the heck is wrong with my bike? And I look down. My freaking handlebars are backwards. Oh, <laughs> to ride the bike. no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, now as an adult, I'd probably be like, oh, I'm way too tired to keep doing this. I don't know. Yes. But I turned those handlebars around and finished off the century. Wow. And to say that <laughs> you did a century as a teenager is pretty amazing. Well, you're a lot, you're pretty springy back then. And honestly, yeah. if you train enough, anyone can do a century. and will this year. We all get to this year. That's yay! right. That's right. Uh, um, those I would, are great. would train, I'm going to be training a little bit more this year instead of just winging it like I did that time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we both know because it's been on an episode, but Coach Ertel came up with a training plan that includes a little bit more long distance. So um, yeah. if you are worried about it, get over to Com and
0: find that training log. That's right. I'm so proud I did that century. And I'm proud of every other century I've done since then. Yeah. Um, It's easily doable. You will not have the same problems I did. You'll probably eat enough and you'll probably drink enough and you'll probably train enough. So yes. like, <laughs> this is not a cautionary tale. It's just something silly that I still get teased for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: well, let's listen to Kyle Munson talk to Philip about Philip's memories
0: and experiences on RAGBRAI's yeah, I can't wait. I know he's been riding since he was a little kid, so I'm looking forward to seeing how his memories mirror what I had. Awesome. Here we go.
2: So this is Kyle Munson. I am a correspondent with the Just go Bike podcast, uh, pedaling all over the territory and contributing interviews when I can. And I'm here today to talk with somebody who is very familiar with the Register's annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa, otherwise known as Ragbri. Philip Jones, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thanks for having me, Kyle. I'm really looking forward to this. So before we start talking bikes, just tell me
2: briefly, uh, who are you? What do you do? What's your function? What's your job these days?
3: So my day job is I'm a public safety reporter for the Des Moines Register, uh, which as you can guess, I uh, wanted to work here by going on this little bike ride that we're going to be talking about. Um, So I cover a lot of pretty nitty gritty things, a lot of crime coverage, courts coverage, the occasional feature story when I can. (laughs) Um, But my side gig within the Register is to cover ragbri, which is pretty appropriate, as you'll hear in a few moments.
2: That's great. So well, thanks for being a journalist working through the pandemic and everything else. Uh, Love having you out there on the front lines of the First Amendment. Um, So one Mm -hmm. other thing I know about you, and I'm, I'm just kind of painting a little bit of background for our listeners here. When we first met, you were in Sioux City, Iowa, as I recall, and you were a ball hawk. You were a, a, what, I think a high school ball hawk? So tell me, explain to people what a ball hawk is.
3: You're talking about a different side of my life, Kyle. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, we first met, I think I was 16 years old. You were interviewing me. I've interviewed you a couple times since then, too. So it's interesting to be back on the other side of the table. but but so I was, I was a baseball, a ball hawk is basically a baseball collector. Sioux City has a minor league independent baseball team called the Explorers. And when I was a kid, I was just obsessed with baseball. And one night, late night, uh, I was on my computer and I stumbled upon this hobby and I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. So for several years, uh, I dedicated myself to this hobby. I've still got thousands of baseballs in my parents' house. They Uh, both my mom, my dad, and my stepmom, they all want me to clear them out. (laughs) I've probably got a couple hundred of my own in my apartment, um, and it's led me to some cool adventures. I met a lot of cool people from all walks of life doing it. I've got some uh, field turf from the University of Missouri when I was in college. I didn't have that when we talked last about that. Uh, I've got all sorts of pucks and footballs and, and you name it but it was it was a fun little hobby uh that's mostly a pass thing uh but it it was fun and it still is fun when i occasionally do it
2: that's so. fabulous okay yeah and of course Regbry this year will be starting not too far from that stadium in sergeant bluff on the southern edge of sioux city so all right so in just another 10 seconds of background here to set you up as the recreational renaissance man uh you also
3: uh ref basketball games right basketball baseball football hockey and softball <laughs> so i have like no free time at all all right so
2: you're you you keep the rules on the court and then field the pitch whatever everywhere so okay um that's so ragbri let's get to bicycles finally um what is your very first conscious memory not that you've been told but that you remember of ragbri
3: if we're going to talk the very first memory just of the word um, I remember being a little kid when my dad, who started writing Ragbri 12, would bring it up in our house, and I would prance around our house saying, "Ragbry is stupid." <laughs> um, my very first memory of Ragbri are, I are a couple. Um, I remember being eight years old in my parents' bedroom, um, standing on my dad's dresser, to be precise when he told us that we were going to do RAGBRAI in 2001, or he asked me if, if we would. Hmm. And I said, yeah, I think I would do that. And I, I still, to this day, have no idea why my mind suddenly flipped, because I didn't know what Ragbri was at the time. Uh, but so after that, we went and we bought a tandem, uh, because Ragbri was starting in Sioux City that year, where, as you just mentioned, we lived. And so we we bought a $600 Crestline tandem, one of those old, hunky Mm. mountain bike tandems that you saw several on on RAGBRAC for years. They were cheap, but they worked. And so we went down to Albright's bike shop and and bought one. And that morning, uh, I don't remember the date. Someone could find it easily. I remember waking up at about 5.30 a.m. and at 5.45 as it was storming, I remember seeing a crack of uh, thunderbolt outside our house as we left, we went down to the riverfront in Sioux City where Rag started many times, and we dipped our uh, back tire in the Missouri River. There was a guy who uh, did not have a seat who was riding the entire thing, and I don't know why, but I remember that really well. (laughs) Um, And we've got pictures that I want to find this spring from that. So that's the very first, and then we pedaled out on Gordon Drive, up Outer Drive. And since my dad's in TV too, we then had to stop right as we were leaving Sioux City on my very first day so that he could uh, film a TV package for like 20 minutes.
2: So did you fall in love with Rag that first day or was it kind of a, was it weird, a grind, a mixture of
3: emotions? You know, I just remember having fun. You know, I mean, the thing about, rag that I loved was I was attached at the hip to my dad when I was a kid and rag was just another way to have fun with him you know I remember that day pretty well um I remember it was it was just it was fun I was immediately amazed by the number of bikes out on the road you know um it was awe-inspiring and you know, I remember people coming up to me as they would for the next few years, you know, and, and hassling me a little since I was a kid. Um, and and joking around with me, you know, as a, as a little kid on the back of our tandem. Now, I, I hadn't said this yet, but you know, we when we bought the tandem, we had to find the lowest seat possible. And then we had to put blocks on the pedals just so I could reach. <laughs> and so I, I barely reached at all. It was just fun. You know. It was a gray, overcast day, it actually rained a little. Um, I remember setting up our tent in Storm Lake and it started raining right as we set up our tent and we were using the, the Registers baggage truck as well. So, you know, um, we were huffing at old school. You know, the thing that I remember is I instantly wanted a bike jersey. Uh-huh. And my dad had took a few years off because he'd had kids. He'd had me and my brother and my sister who were three years younger than me um and so between the time that he stopped riding rag and restarted people started wearing bike jerseys or a lot of a lot more people did and so he told me we don't need to wear those we can just wear our t-shirts you know and so that's basically what we did for our first two rag was we wore t-shirts which Seems funny now.
2: I think that was known as the Great Millennial Spandex Surge or something like that. But so, <laughs> it's right so, down there in history, right? What? Uh, so that's interesting. That your introduction to Ragbrai was through journalism, too, through your father covering it. You know, his TV career, as well as it being the creation of journalists. The entire ride. Um, that's cool. So, did you instantly then start writing every year, or how? How did you get? How did you get pulled into Ragbri from that?
3: Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. We, we started writing every year. Um, you know, we never really planned to do the whole thing. In 2002, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, we planned to do three days, but we, we went to buy day passes and they had uh, week long passes that they were selling back for 75 bucks, you know, that people returned. Mm-hmm. And so we just bought those and said, just in case on the off chance we ended up going the whole week. And we did. I got homesick the night of the third night after we decided to do it. So I had to tough it out for the next four days. <laughs> you know, uh, there was a lot of crying and drama because I wanted to go home. Um, there always is on reg, usually on the hills. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, basically we skipped 2003 because it was, uh, it started in Glenwood and it was just hard to get to and we weren't feeling it. Um, but yeah, pretty much from there on out, you know, through high school, through college, I, it was basically doing it every year.
2: Wow. So how many Ragbri's have you ridden? Do you say that you
3: have ridden at this point? I've done parts of 16 of them. I've done the whole thing only five times. Um, and now I've worked and covered one.
2: That's wonderful. So uh, everybody who's ridden Ragbri for any number of years, d- you can list like memories that come to you. Like, uh, have you gotten rained on in RAGBRI, during
3: Ragbri? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, like I said, that first day it rained on us. And that second day, coming out of Storm Lake in 2001, too, there was a thunderstorm. I was kind of scared, you know, Mm. as we were getting on our bikes, on our metal bike, in the middle (laughs) of a thunderstorm at 6 a.m., you know, when I was eight years old. Mm. Um,
2: That would be something different at eight years old. Like, as an adult, I I don't know how I'm going to feel when it starts raining on me, let alone eight years old.
3: (laughs) You know, I I remember the, the biggest rainstorm that I remember from those early years is that that last day in 2002 was from Anamosa to, I think, Bellevue? And my dad had already indoctrinated, indoctrinated me with Soggy Monday lore by this point. And that was a real bad rainstorm coming out of uh, Anamosa uh, AP, who listeners know. Um, Andrea Parrott, Andrea yeah, Parrott co-host good of f-
2: the podcast. Quark,
3: <laughs> our good friend Andrea <laughs> Parrott was on that Rag Bright too. And, and I was just talking with her last year about this rainstorm. Um, it rained really hard, stormed really hard coming out of, of anamosa but we got through it and by the time we got to bellevue we were bone dry as a bone
2: <laughs> that's what yeah i i love a little rain when biking just so it kind of uh cools you and it dries pretty quickly but once it gets i i also remember on a particular rag i don't remember what year cowering on a porch outside of I forget where it was, Waverly or some town. Uh, and, you know, being served coffee by the friendly homeowners and then having to get rescued by the the, the Newsmobile. So, yeah. So, all right, so you've been rained on. Um.
3: I do I do have a real quick good story for Okay, it. all right. So I remember, I think it was in high school, and I was riding uh, from Bronson where, and I don't know this yet, but we'll probably end up going as a pass through town this year. Mm. We did when it started in 2006 uh, in Sergeant Bluff. Uh, was riding the opposite direction from Bronson to Sergeant Bluff and was caught in a thunderstorm I hadn't expected and uh, remember there was a lot of lightning around so I was really concerned so I pulled over at this woman's house and I think I was standing under a tree and she invited me in to her house soaking wet in my bike gear it was I didn't even know how to feel it was just It's one of those things that happens in Iowa. (laughs) That's
2: right. That's that's right. A completely soaked bicyclist standing in your doorway is a common occurrence now after 50 years. So Um, uh, so what did the ride—I don't want to assume this— uh, you know, we shared a little bit of the Ragbri Road last year, I think, going into Anamosa. And and, and I remember there was a wedding that we witnessed, a Ragbri wedding in, was it Alden, Iowa? Or uh, is, it that, is that the right town?
3: That was it. I yeah, think, it was Alden. Yeah. And-
2: Boy, the memory's really treating me well today. So what has the ride come to mean to you uh, beyond just a chance to bike, chance to see people, that sort
3: of a thing? Has that changed through the years? It It's certainly changed for me over the years, but I was... I'll be kind of long-winded with this answer. Um, you know, for the longest time, I I, I struggled to understand what ragbri meant to me, other than that I liked it, you know, because it was one of those things that I just kind of did. It was, for me, it's it's always been, it's a family thing. My dad did ragbri when he was 12 years old on RAGBRAI 4, mm. and I started on ragbri 29. I got one of the 20s in me. <laughs> You know, um, my grandpa did all of Ragbry in 1979, the only one that he did, mm. um, you know, my stepmom kicked me off our tandem, uh, <laughs> I was mad about that at the time, but I say that lovingly now on that uh, ragbri from Sergeant Bluff to Ida Grove in 2006, um, and so for the longest time it was a family thing, but other than that, I didn't know what it meant to me, and, and I finally realized, I think it was in 2018 on our, on our way home, that it's something that's bigger than us, bigger than any of us, um. You know, I remember being in the campground at the Bike Expo in Council Bluffs in 2013. Um, and I remember picking up a souvenir copy of the Des Moines Register. It was actually teasing one of your stories. Oh, right. and, and at the top of the page, it just said XLI. And that was a year that we were lucky to do just one day because I was between my sophomore and my junior years at the University of Missouri. My brother and sister were entering their senior years of college. And my parents realized that it was a chance— for us to take our family, last family vacation as kids. Yeah, yeah. And so they decided to take us to the Wisconsin Dells. And so the entire way to Wisconsin after that one day of RAGBRAI that we did, I just kept thinking about those letters, X-L-I. And you know, it, it just every time I go on RAGBRAI, it humbles me. There, there was another thing that happened in 2018 where my grandma died um, right before RAGBRAI, the week before. Um, in two thousand nine, we actually had to miss the first two days as well because uh, former registered reporter, some people might recognize the name of Jay Wagner. Yeah. I think you even knew him. Oh yeah, I love Jay. Yeah. He Jay was my godfather and, and he was my dad's best friend, and he died in two thousand nine, and there were people with ragbry wristbands at his funeral, mm. you know. Uh and, and to a lesser extent, even his wake on the Sunday of Ragbry. And so, you know, a couple times ragbry's meant like it does for a lot of people to me, it, it's meant getting over that personal grief. You know, in 2018, I remember it, it felt really weird because I, I was living in Columbia, Missouri at the time. And on the one hand, I was packing for Ragbri, and that was fun. But on the other hand, I was packing dress clothes for my grandma's funeral because mm. we knocked both out at the same time. Her, her funeral was the day before Ragbri started in Ottawa. And I remember being in Ames you know, uh, that, that day from Jefferson to Ames, I still say is the best day of rag I've ever done. I Mm. went the first 44 miles without stopping. I beat our baggage truck. Um, it was, there was a whole Jack Trice stadium experience of riding through there. The spasmatics were great. I had one of my best college friends in town, but I remember hanging out there until the very end of the concert, you know? And and i just remember it was about midnight and and we got up at 4:30 so we can get on the road and and i remember looking up at the moon right as as i was huffing back to our campsite right across from Trice stadium and i just started you know i i was kind of crying but i but i was also you know just just thrilled it felt like i was exactly where i needed to be mhm even though i was just you know my my grandma was was close to me and that was was tough, but Ragbury was kinda of masking the pain of or, that.
2: Or you felt connected, it almost sounds like, in a way, you felt like you were in a spot where you could you could channel the what you need to channel, the energy or the feelings, right? At yeah. That
3: time. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing that, that I didn't like about that year and the only thing that really changed about that year was that uh, I planned a ride from the start or mm-hmm. from Sioux City to the start in Ottawa. And because my grandma died, I just decided I didn't feel up to it.
2: You know uh, damn, Philip! I think you hit a bullseye there. I mean, that really resonates with me. Um, I mean, last year, I uh, some teammates and I skipped a day of Ragbri to go attend Carla Offenberger's funeral, who I you know knew on Ragbri and Chuck Offenberger, who is a legend in Ragbri lore. Uh, you know, it was his wife that passed away, and so I was standing there in a, in a funeral with my wristband on. Um, and you mentioned the Dells. I mean, uh, what you're talking about makes me think that. Whereas a lot of life talks about, hey, here, go to this place for one part of your life, for the theme park or something else. But the Ragbri philosophy is about, no, uh, it, it all belongs together. You know, the, 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 the triumph, the, the grief, the joy, everything. Uh, we're not going to go to the Dells. We are going to create the carnival right in this small town that would, that would never be the Dells on a normal day. So, right. <laughs> so that vision of Ragbri as transforming everyday life and the everyday Landscape, Main Street, whatever—that has always spoken to me, and uh, you.
3: So I, I couldn't agree more. That's that. Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way, but that is that is absolutely right.
2: And yeah, just like that, the the way you should create a cultural institution that lasts half a century or more is to do it accidentally. That, you know, that's that's the only real way to do it. So. And, and make
3: sure that you're doing it so that only so that you can expend something you do otherwise. Yes. So, talk about
2: um, uh, not that you have to know the exact number. How many different kinds of bike? Well, first, congrats on riding a tandem. I've successfully avoided trying to do a ragbri and a tandem to this point. But how many different kinds of bikes have you ridden on ragbri?
3: Ah, uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, there was the Crestline tandem. There was my dad's mountain bike. There was my stepmom's hybrid, which I always tell people was not a hybrid. It was a mountain bike that was called a hybrid. <laughs> Um, because that thing was big, heavy, and slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I got my own ride, road bike in uh, in 2014, um, which I've ridden ever since.
2: That's great. So, how are you with all of this wonderful background and the how Ragbri has like. Uh, you know change I think it changes all of us as people. how are you approaching it differently this year if if at all or like what will you be doing differently this year besides uh, will you'll be covering it so that's gonna change your r- rhythms and routines right
3: yeah, I mean this year frankly it won't be too much different than than it was last year, but working it is is it's a different beast it's not I'll be quite as honest <clears throat> it's not as enjoyable yeah well yeah. as, <laughs> yeah, guess, as you know I agree with that too but um it's it's completely different um you know it's it's still fun but the way that I approach it is it's a job I have work to do this won't happen likely but if I do a terrible job then I could get fired you know it's it's a job and it's semi-serious business you know it's different staying in the hotels uh you know there's a lot of I might be saying the quiet part out loud, but there's some hotels that are a ways away from the route. And so the transfers are kind of like in the Tour de France, actually, are uh, not the easiest thing in the world if you want to get (laughs) from the route and then back to the route. Um, You know, one of my favorite things about RAGBRAI was always just being able to just stop riding in a car for a good eight days. And, you know, when you're working it and you've got these transfers, it feels like you're in a car every day, which kind of spoils the fun, to be honest. You know, last year... I feel like I kind of want to get a different bike, to be honest, to, to do it. Last year, uh, I put a couple big panniers on the back of my road bike, and it felt like turning my convertible into a pickup truck. <laughs> um, you know, I'll never forget on the first day, uh, oh shoot. I forgot where we were. But we were 25 miles out on the first day. I think we were past Remsen, I want to say. That was the first pass through town. Um, and uh, I was going up a hill, and I was standing up so I could sprint uphill. And my bike was completely sideways. My front tire was completely sideways mm. because it was so back heavy. And I thought I was going to crash because it bounced once, bounced twice, bounced the other way again, and somehow I saved it. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, because I had all my computer gear and stuff on the back of my bike, I remember getting some funny looks while I pulled out a laptop and worked at picnic tables or on a little three-inch high curb at a Casey's in the rain, no less. Oh, yeah, so glamorous, the, the, the <laughs> journalism life. It's, uh. it's very glamorous stuff, reporting on RAGBRAI.
2: <laughs> All right, well, two more. This has been wonderful, Philip. Two more quick questions before we toss the show back to uh, AP and Murph and uh, whomever else uh, is in the studio this week. Um, I, You're a veteran of RAGBRAI. For any newbie for uh, writing their first RAGBRAI, what would you— what would be one piece of, like, one sentence of advice you'd give them? Wow. Yeah, anything. It doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all piece of advice, but what's one thing a newbie should keep in mind while writing Ragbry according to Philip?
3: Uh, the biggest thing is just to go at your own pace and, and do what you want. Like, the thing that I never realized when I was a kid is that it's just it's a vacation. You know, it's a vacation where you partake in the small things. It's a vacation where... You take in the scenery and you partake in a local dressing up as I think Sally from the Peanuts <laughs> and setting up an advice stand in town and and just how absurd it is. It's a it's a vacation where you laugh at couples in their uh, cute outfits on tandems yes. and it's a vacation where you can have fun and and do what you want with respect for the people who live in the area that we're going through as well. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I should say as a register employee. Embrace the absurdity, but
2: maintain your decorum and respect. But I'll also, uh,
3: you know, I, I've got many more pieces of advice actually coming out. I think when the pass through towns are announced, we're, we're planning to run a piece uh, about some of these things. So watch for that.
2: Watch for the upcoming coverage. Okay, last easy question What's your favorite kind of pie? Pecan. Pecan. Good answer. All right. Well, thanks, Philip. We'll see you out there on the road.
1: Well, listeners, that is it for this week. We both want to thank you for tuning in to
0: listen to the Just Go Bike Podcast. And if you'd like to contact us with a comment about the podcast, or maybe you have a topic in mind, you can reach us at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on social media at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate, review,
1: and subscribe to this podcast, especially if you're a fan. And if you have any extra time, pop on over to the Morphology podcast for more bike adventure interviews.
0: All right, that's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Until then, just just go go bike. bike!